0: Welcome to Your Cathedral Podcast, a podcast from the Cathedral Church of St. Luke and St. Paul in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information on our church, please visit yourcathedral.org. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for the reminder that we just heard that you no longer call us servants, but that you welcome us as friends. We pray now that you, Jesus, as we open up your word, would be known to us by the power of your spirit. We would see you as the one who is crucified, risen, ascended to the Father, and one day to return. And in seeing Jesus, may we be transformed to become like him from one degree of glory to the next. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy to see the upper third of all of your faces. Your eyes are looking especially bright this morning. If I've not met you, my name is Patrick Schlabs. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm happy to be opening up the scriptures this morning. I'm confident at some point, every single relationship that you have will come to a decisive moment. When you're faced with the question of, can I move forward ...with this person. Every single relationship... ...from acquaintances... ...to friends... ...to business partners... ...to romantic interests... ...and even at times to family. Can this relationship... ...move forward? And in some instances... ...it might happen very early on. For instance, whenever... ...what you assumed was a very simple... ...dinner invitation turned into... ...a pitch for their multi-level marketing... ...organization... But in other instances, it may happen way later when your loved one gets way too into true crime podcasts. But it will happen at some point. You will learn something about that person and be faced with the question can this continue? Can I continue to be in relationship with this person? Or phrased another way as I grow in knowledge of this person, can I continue to grow in love of this person? Last week, if you were with us, you remember that we began a four-week sermon series that we are calling our Four Commons series, where we discuss the four marks that we want to be known by here at the Cathedral Church. And I won't quiz you on it, because it's just the second week, but those four commons are common prayer, common life, common grace, or common good. Common prayer, common life, common grace, common good. And... When we say common, we talk about the four commons, we, we intend a double meaning. We, we mean that we want these to be normative for us. We want these commons to be the norm for every single person that is a part of this church here at the cathedral. That they would be people given to prayer. That we would be people who share our lives with one another. That we would be people who grow in grace and knowledge of our world. And that we would be people who give ourselves for the common good of our neighbors. So, we want it to be normal, but we also want it to be something that is shared among us. That we practice these things individually, but more than that, that they are something that we hold together, that we're committed to. They're shared values between us. And last week, Pete uh, jumped in with uh, common prayer, and he kind of talked about this value of prayer and worship out of Psalm 116, and talked about the way that the psalmist uh, cries out to God in the midst of being hard pressed. He continues to call out to the Lord. And that prayer is founded upon the mercy of God. The mercy that the psalmist experiences whenever the Lord turns his attention to his cries. He finds in God a place of true safety. And because of that, the psalmist and us can be confident. We can be resilient because we know that our Lord is one who answers us. And again, that is a value that is expressed as individuals in the way that we pray and whether we worship in our day-to-day lives, but it's also something that is shared among us. It's a corporate experience. We experience it here this morning as we sing, as we pray, as we hear the scriptures, and ultimately as we're welcomed to God's table. And this value of common prayer is such a foundation for us as Anglicans. Our prayer book is called The Book of Common Prayer for that very reason. It's normative and it's shared. Our liturgy that we say week in, week out Things like morning and evening prayer that we practice, hopefully some of us practice, during our weeks. The hope is that we would be a people given to prayer, that it would be normal and shared, that it would shape us. And so this morning we come to this second value of common life. What does it mean to be people who share our lives with one another? And so I do want to invite you to open up your Bibles if you have one with you. Or you can grab a pew Bible there and you can turn to Romans chapter 12. It can be found on page 948. Romans 12. We're going to look at the reading that we just heard. Just by way of reminder, this book is, I think many would agree, Paul's magnum opus. It's, it's his greatest work. It's the summary of the entirety of his theology or much of his theology. He outlines the gospel as being the power of salvation. He, in the beginning of the book, says that all are condemned under the law and that in Christ all are justified. And that that is the hope of both Jew and Gentile. And so he builds that entire case for 11 chapters. And he says because all of that is true, because you are justified, because you are glorified, because you Jew and Gentile have hope in Christ, then this is how you should act. This is how you should live. And so chapter 12 kind of transitions to be this place where the commands are laid out of what it looks like in practice. And in verse 9, verse 9 through about 16, it specifically addresses what it looks like to be related to one another as the people of God. And in this section, you, you probably noticed this in the reading, it sounds a bit like a lightning round. It's Paul just going rapid fire. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Lots of verb language, and Paul actually in this section is employing a very common technique in the ancient world called perenesis. One commentator that I came across, Doug, Douglas Moo, uh, says that perenesis is a loose structured moral exhortation that's rooted in a tradition. So this was not new information for Jew or Gentile. It's rooted clearly in the Jewish scriptures. But it's a loose-structured moral exhortation that's rooted in this tradition that Paul is coming at. And so he covers a lot of ground. And I think one way to understand it is as somewhat of a checklist for relating to one another, for the Christian relating to the other, both in the community and outside of the community. He addresses our enemies as well. And for our purposes this morning, I just want to look at two facets. And I want to look at what it means to be Christian community sharing our common life together and what that requires. And that requires two things, for us to know one another, for us to love one another. It sounds simple, but it is not easy. And so Paul begins this section with this massive transition in language. In verse 9, he says, let love be genuine. And in fact, this opening statement, there is no verb. So a more literal translation would be, the love sincere. And some have viewed this as the heading of, of this new section, It's the thing that's to blanket everything that is to come. So Paul is saying that the love that you have for one another must be genuine, sincere, without pretense. It must be authentic. The word he uses is the opposite of a hypocrite. Hypocrites were those who uh, would put on a show, right? They They were acting in a play. And he's saying your love must not be like that. It must not be putting on airs. It must not look like love in intention, but it must look like love in action. Your love must be without hypocrisy. And so for us, when we think about what it means to share this common life together, the first thing that we must practice is knowing one another. And I know that it's easy for some of us, it's more difficult for others to to show up here on Sunday morning You know, we are doing whatever on the way to church, screaming at our kids, trying to get out the door. And then we show up and we're like, hey, brother, hey, sister. Great to see you. We act like nice church people, right? We put on airs. It's much harder to move beyond that to where we actually know one another, beyond exchanging the peace, beyond a kind wave. To move beyond that initial interaction to places where we actually see each other. And see how weird we all are. See our quirks. See our rough spots. See our flaws. See our sins. And this takes actual time, it takes intention to move forward. And I am confident that many of you would say, yes, that sounds good, but there are so many barriers. Because you see, we're busy. I have this work thing. I'm working a lot, I'm working from home, I'm working in the office. My work takes up so much of my life. Or my kids' school is so all-consuming. I have 26 apps just to deal with their school life. Parents know what I'm talking about. Or we have this boat, or I'm into running, or whatever it is, whatever it is that you do for fun in your life, I understand, I get it, I have the same pressures, but we're busy. But not only that, as a, as a downtown church, we're centrally located, but we draw all, you from all around, right? So I live downtown, and you live on James Island, you live in North Charleston, or Mount Pleasant. It's inconvenient. Because who wants to cross a bridge, right? More than that, we're a transient culture. You may only be here for four years as you're in grad school or med school. You may have just taken a job and you may just as easily take another job as soon as another opportunity presents itself. And I don't know about you, we've lived here 10 years, but I've already been through like three rounds of friends. And I don't know that I have it in me to pursue a fourth. You can grow weary of the transient nature. And I think probably most important for our community here is that we are very different. It was not so maybe a decade ago or two decades ago. There's probably a lot more. We were a much more monolithic place. But now we're really different, right? We're from off. We're from here. We're old Charlestonians or we're from Ohio or wherever it is that you've come from. We're in different life stages. We're retired or we're college students or we're young parents. I like vestments. You like the drums. And yet for love to be genuine, as Paul commands us, we must set aside some of these things and lean in to actually get to know one another. It's hard, but it's very worth it. But of course, knowing one another is not enough, right? Because we may lean in and you may go through the effort to actually know someone beyond their name and take them to brunch or whatever. And you may find out that actually I don't like this person. (laughs) tried to sell me on a multi-level marketing thing I think I'm out when you're as different as we are we have enough of challenges that we have to engage with relationship it can lead not, sim- not to love but actually to rejection of one another to fighting with one another but we must commit to love one another much of this passage um, that Paul writes here is, is the how of, to do that and I want to focus on one particular command because there's a lot of them he talks a lot about not viewing ourselves more highly than we ought, associating with the lowly. But in verse thirteen, uh, he says, "Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality." That kind of summarizes a lot of his idea here. Uh, there are two kind of ideas in in these in, in these in this short verse. And the first is to contribute to the needs of the saints. That essence of that uh, that phrase there is that it means to share in life with one another, to share in suffering. To participate in the needs. If I have and someone does not have, I'm going to be present with them in that and bring to bear all of my resources in order to share with them, to move them from that place. The idea is Philadelphia, which I'm sure you know that's love between brothers and sisters, it's familial love. We're to share with one another in in little and in much. This is the picture that we get in Acts 2. I I, so resisted bringing Acts 2 into this because it's so common to talk about that when you talk about the early church and Christian community. But you see it played out there. You see the way that they love one another, the way that they share their lives with one another, both in the, they meet in the temple, they meet house to house. They share meals, they share the Lord's supper. They give to anyone as as they have need. The rich giving to the poor. It's a beautiful picture of what the church can be. So that's the internal kind of aim of that love. But then there's another idea where he says show hospitality. That word is philoxenia, And that's love of strangers. It literally means to open up your home for strangers. At this point, uh, inns were kind of non-existent and ones that were present were very rough. They were not places that you would want to say. And so it was assumed that if you were part of the Christian community, that you were going to open up your home. You're going to welcome people that are passing through. Missionaries or just simple Christians welcoming them to your homes. This idea of hospitality is huge in the ancient areas. If you've ever been uh, to the Middle East, if you've ever been to Israel, you kind of still get uh, inklings of this emphasis where people welcome you in. You feel so embraced. It's very different from us, right? Because for us, our house has to be perfectly clean. Our kids have to be you know, perfectly bathed. Everything has to be right for us to be hospitable. But that's not what this is. This is sacrificial. And this challenge to show actual love, to to be with people in the midst of difficulty and then to open up our home to strangers is where the rubber meets the road, friends. And it's hard for the same reasons. It's hard because we're busy. It's hard because we're spread out. It's hard because we're transient. It's hard because we're different. Loving and knowing in this way is hard, but it is so worth it. And some of you may be like me. Some of you may have experienced that in the church, within the people of God. Ten years ago, uh, my family left everything that we had known and moved here across the country, halfway across the country to Charleston. We did not have family. My children have not had grandparents close. They've not had uncles and aunts close. But they found them in the people of God. You have been that. Some of you have been that for us. Welcomed us, cared for us. All of the language that Paul uses here is typically used, of the household, of the family. And he's importing it and saying, you have a new family now, a place where you actually can be known, a place where you actually can be loved. That's a beautiful thing when it's at its best. It transcends all of these differences, all of these preferences, all of these challenges. It transcends it. And at its best, it's what we're called to be. People who share our lives together. And now some of you may hear what I'm talking about and may have no idea what I'm talking about. It sounds good, but everyone that you have trusted has disappointed you. Every, every place that you've looked for, this sense of not known, being known and being loved has disappointed you and failed you. Your families may have failed to love you as they were called to do. Your friends may have rejected you as they got to know your weirdness and your quirks. Your church may have failed to be the family of God for you, and ignored you, or not cared for you, wounded you, hurt you. Then in our gospel lesson, we see a better way. We see someone who will never fail us. Jesus in John 15 calls his disciples, not servants, but friends. And he says, greater love is no one than he would lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus has done that for us, sisters and brothers. Though he knew every way that we would fail every way that we would disappoint him all of our strangeness and our quirks all of our sins he's loved us despite it and calls us his friends and it's only as we experience this love that we see in the gospel can we be those who transcend all of our preferences all of the struggles all the issues and love and lay down our lives to know one another to love one another Tim Keller in his book on marriage captures, I think, this idea really well. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is like being loved by God. And we get glimpses of that in this place. Sharing our common lives together. And so my challenge to us this morning is to seek to know one another. There are lots of ways as a church that we could have uh, become more monolithic by choosing one worship style or one preaching style or we could have done various things to make this more monolithic, to attract only college students, to attract only baby boomers, to attract young families. But we've, we've pushed against that. And it's hard, right, because we're all different. But don't let that be something that drives you away. Let that be something that leads you to lean in. I think that probably, more often than not, you will be surprised at the shared experiences, shared values, shared love that you have for people that are very different from you. I've experienced it again and again in this church. And with the value of loving one another, showing hospitality to one another, admittedly, we have not been great at facilitating this. We've done some things. We've done dinners for nine. Uh, we've done community groups. We have community groups. But I, we, we're sensing from the Lord as a leadership, that this is something that, that we are called to lean into even more. We have a couple of new community groups that have begun. One, one just began on Sunday mornings. A space to grow in knowledge and love of one another. And you'll be hearing more about that, hopefully, in the coming weeks and months. And listen, I know that, as I say this, this is, it's hard normally, but in a season like COVID, it's even more difficult, right? About two months ago, when it seemed as if we were going to be back in the middle of this pandemic, I just shut down. I was like, nope, I'm out. I'm not going to do this anymore. But what I have felt and what I have sensed in this time is that it's not a time to shrink back. It's not a time to bail. It's not a time to lean away. This is a time, in fact, for the church to lean in, to be who Christ has purchased us and called us to be. To be a people who knows and loves one another, even as we are known and loved by Jesus. Amen. Amen.